0: Hello. Welcome to the Legends of King Arthur and his Knights. Chapter 40. Sir Bors and the Impossible Decisions Sir Bors of Gorns had received really rather marvellous news. As long as he did the right thing, no meat, no wine, no women and no sin, he was going to achieve the Grail. Somewhat chuffed, he'd gone to sleep outside on some soft grass. In the morning, he woke up in a state of some elation He was given a white frock of penance to wear, just to make sure he wasn't going to stray from the straight and narrow. Now, Sir Bors has been told he's going to achieve the Grail. What does this mean is bound to happen? Yep, visions and dreams. Bors, like his fellow questers, was not going to escape some serious symbolism on his eventually successful journey. First he saw a giant black bird circling a dead tree. On the tree were the birds young, also, sadly, all dead – The bird swooped down to its dead young and then pecked itself on the breast. As the blood flowed, the bird allowed the blood to drip on its dead babies. The babies miraculously revived, but the big bird itself died after shedding so much blood. Bors, deep in thought, rode on to a castle, where he was met and welcomed by a young woman. He was disarmed and then taken to dinner. There he was served meat and wine, which he refused in favour of bread and water. The young lady seemed a bit put out. She then explained to Bors he was in a bit of trouble. My sister is an evil woman, sir. We are both daughters of the good King Love. When our father died, he realised my sister was bad and he left the lands to me. My sister couldn't accept this, and ever since she has waged war on me, now she has taken everything. All I have left is this castle. By tomorrow I must find a knight to defend against her champion, Sir Priadan the Black, or all will be lost. This was, excusing the pun, meat and drink to Bors. He offered himself as the lady's champion. He refused any food apart from bread and water and even refused a bed. Sir Bors, thinking that he was doing pretty well here, settled down to an uncomfortable but virtuous sleep on the floor. There, inevitably, he had a dream. He saw a white bird large like a swan and a smaller black bird. The white bird promised him all the riches in the world if he followed it. The black one counted that Bors should serve it, as, although it was smaller, its black hues were of more worth. Next, Bors dreamt of an old and withered man sitting near a worm-ridden and frankly nastily infested tree trunk. To his right were two lilies. The man parted the lilies so they could get enough sun and not crowd each other. Then, out of each flower, grew a tree laden with fruit. Bors agreed with the man that the tree trunk was worthless in comparison with the flower's. And he agreed that, if he met with a similar adventure, he would ensure the flowers blossomed and not try to help the tree instead. Bors was troubled; he knew there must be some meaning. He put his disquiet aside, though, in order to do what he had promised to do for the lady of the castle, after feasting again only on bread and milk, he took the battlefield. The two knights withdrew from each other, ready to charge, both were thrown from their horses at the first contact, both lances shattered on impact both jumped to their feet and started hacking lumps out of each other their shields sturdy and well-fashioned though they were couldn't take it and soon both were in pieces bors relaxed a little and let his opponent strike and strike reducing his strength with each one when he thought the time was right sir bors began his onslaught he got the better of sir Priadan and before long had wrenched off his helmet his opponent knew he was beaten and yielded begging for mercy Bors accepted the yield and then strode to the watching crowd. He forced all of them to swear allegiance to the rightful daughter. Any who refused were killed. Sir Bors had succeeded absolutely. He rode on, eager to find someone who could interpret his dreams and visions. But before he could find anyone suitable, an impossible decision was presented to him. Sir Bors reached a crossroad. As he paused in order to ascertain the direction to follow, he was presented with an unhappy sight. Two mounted knights rode by, leading a small horse, on which was strapped another knight. The knight was Bors's brother Lionel. Worse than this, the two knights were beating poor Lionel with spiky branches. He was bleeding profusely and was clearly in a bad way. Bors launched himself to to the rescue until another sight caught his eye. An armed knight was carrying off a young lady, clearly against her will. She shouted to Bors for help. The impossible decision. Should poor Bors save his brother or an innocent young lady? There was only one of him. He couldn't do both. So, what did he do? Well, of course, he did the only thing he could do. Sir Bors of Gorns uttered a solemn prayer. Lord, I pray you protect my brother. Do not let him die at the hands of these two knights. Then he galloped off in pursuit of the captured lady. Of course he made short work of the night and freed the lady with ease. She told him he had done the right thing. If her captor had succeeded then 500 more people would have perished. Bors congratulated himself on doing the right thing but nothing could remove from his heart the terrible pain of knowing his brother might be dead because he hadn't saved him. Twelve knights approached and saw the lady had been saved. They were overjoyed and thanked Bors profusely before offering him dinner and lodging. Thoughts only for Lionel, Bors refused politely and took his leave. With great urgency, Bors rode back to the place where he had seen Lionel being taken. Standing waiting for him was a monk, and close to the monk was a body. The body was grimy and covered in fresh blood. Bors looked down and saw his brother. He was looking at Sir Lionel of Gorns, and Sir Lionel was very dead indeed. Bors wept silently and picked up the body and was somewhat surprised to find that it was almost weightless. Together with the monk he rode to a chapel to arrange the burial. They laid the body on the altar but couldn't find any holy water or other necessary accoutrements needed for a funeral. They agreed to leave the body there until the morning. In the meantime, Bors asked the monk to interpret his various dreams and visions. The monk agreed willingly. The swan represents a woman who will offer herself to you. She has worshipped you from afar for a long time. You will have to reject her in order to keep your questing vow. The blackbird symbolises the terrible sin that will happen when you reject her. This will cause the death of your cousin Lancelot, who will be killed by the lady's family. The fate of your cousin, the greatest of all knights, is in your hands. Perhaps it will be better for you to break your vow. Bores! Another impossible decision rattling around his head was led to a nearby tower and set up in a comfortable room. There he was waited on by loads of serving men and ladies. When he was full, an incredibly attractive lady came in. She was introduced to Bors as a lady who had loved him from afar for many years. She had waited for him to come and he was the only person she would accept as her lover. So, what did Bors do with his second impossible decision? Did he stick to his vows and damn Lancelot, or did he break his vows and damn himself? He stuck to his vows. The lady begged and pleaded with him, then she wept and cried out loud about how dreadful he was to reject her. Then she raged at him for forcing her to dishonour herself by begging. Then she announced she was going to kill herself because of the shame of rejection by jumping from the tower. Taking twelve young maidens with her, she climbed to the top. One of the maidens cried out to Bors. "'Give her what she wants, Sir Bors of Gorns, or we will all lose our souls, "'and you will have the blood of thirteen ladies on your hands. "'No other knight will be burdened with more shame.' "'Bors still refused. He'd made up his mind. "'The ladies jumped from the roof of the tower. "'Bors looked up, believing he really was in a no-win situation. "'Sadly, he made the sign of the cross and prayed. "'The instant he did so, the air was filled with vile and terrifying shrieks. It sounded as if all the demons of hell were present, and many of them probably were. The tower, the ladies, and pretty much everything else around Sir Bors disappeared, leaving him only with his sword and arms. Bors ran to the chapel, hoping that something else had also disappeared. When he saw the altar, he almost exploded with joy. The body had gone. Lionel wasn't dead, or at least not definitely dead. Everything, the monk, the body, the dream interpretation, the tower, the lady, hadn't been real. They'd all been part of an elaborate temptation. Bors had passed the test. Filled with renewed vigour, he rode away, intent on finding the real Lionel. Before finding his brother, though, Bors needed to understand the meanings of his visions. He rode on until he found an abbey, an abbey that looked like a real holy place rather than a false one. He announced who he was and was taken to the abbot. He told the ancient holy man the full story of his adventures so far – The abbot professed himself to be mightily impressed by Bors' deeds so far and told him to rest. He would find out what he needed to know in the morning. Bors was offered a succulent meal, but to keep his promises he ate only bread and water and then went to bed. In the morning the abbot interpreted his dreams and visions. The bird on the tree signifies our lord. The young birds are the human race and the tree represents the world. The bird was stabbing itself in the heart, suffering for its young just as our Lord suffered for us, his children, the people that live on earth. It represents Jesus and his suffering on the cross for the sins of the human race. Next you are led to the castle of King Love. You fought on the side of good against the dark side, just as you should have done. You fought on the side of Jesus for the good new laws against the old laws and the old ways. Now for the blackbird and the white swan. The white swan is the man who appeared to be a holy man but was in fact an instrument of the enemy. It was white on the outside but dark and evil on the inside. The blackbird represents the true way, the way which you followed. The one thing that remains to be explained is the rotten tree and the flowers. The shaky and decrepit tree is your brother Lionel. He has fallen away from following the correct path. The rottenness of the tree shows all the terrible sins that he has amassed to this day, and he keeps adding to them. The two flowers are the knight you wounded yesterday and the maiden who you rescued. The one bent towards the other was the knight who wanted to take the lady. The venerable man represents our lord, and he parted them so no evil could be done. He spoke to you, telling you not to leave the flowers to die in order to save the tree. This you did when you saved the maiden rather than rescuing your own brother. You did the right thing. Before you rode off to save the lady, you prayed for your brother's safety. Your prayer was answered. Our Lord struck down Lionel's captors and he escaped, taking their arms and mounting one of their horses. Before long, you will have proof that what I say is true. The fact that the flowers started to bear leaves and fruit shows that the lady you saved will leave a rich inheritance, including knights and men of honour. Your saving her is what has allowed this to happen, and the world is in your debt. "'Thank you, sir,' replied Bors. "'I will be forever grateful for your words.' Bors left the abbey, somewhat embarrassed the abbot had such a high opinion of him. That night he lodged with an old widow. In the morning he arrived at a fortress known as Castle Tubelay. He was told that there was to be a great tournament in front of the castle on the following day, between the Count of the plains' men and those of the widow of the castle. Bors grinned and decided to stay. There was no way, he thought, that all of the knights of the round table would be able to stay away from a tournament. He confidently expected to meet some of his fellow questers the following day. He decided to spend the rest of the day seeking information about the whereabouts of his brother. Sir Bors turned away and rode until he came upon a nearby hermitage. As he cantered up to the gates, he saw a figure sitting unarmed on the chapel steps. It looked like a knight preparing himself for the events of the following day. Bors was right, it was a knight. In fact, it was the very night he had been hoping to see. The figure on the chapel steps was none other than his brother, Sir Lionel. Bors jumped with pure joy and ran towards his brother. "'Sweet brother, I am overjoyed to see you.' Sir Bors was in for a shock. Lionel looked up and scowled. "'Well, it's no thanks to you that I'm here, is it? Two knights were beating me to within an inch of my life and you, my own brother, didn't lift a finger.' Never was a brother guilty of such a gross betrayal. You will pay for your crime, little brother. You will receive your death from me next time we are both armed. Bors considered explaining everything which had gone on, but he was not sure Lionel would get it, so he tried a different approach. He knelt down in front of his brother and begged to be pardoned. Lionel waved away his entreaties and told him he was going to kill him next time they met. Then, It seemed that he decided the next time they met should actually be now. Lionel strode into the hermitage and emerged only a few seconds later, fully armed. Then he fetched his horse and mounted it and rode slowly to where Bors stood. Defend yourself, sir. You are the most false-hearted scoundrel ever to spring from noble stock. Our father, King Bors, would be ashamed of you. Now get on your horse or I will kill you where you stand. Another impossible decision. Either Bors could defend himself and fight, in which case he would probably kill his own brother, or he could do nothing and be cut down there in front of the hermitage. Bors realised he'd have to fight. Before mounting, though, he tried one more time to reason with Lionel. For the love of God, sweet brother, have pity on me. Think of the great love between us, and not of any offence that I may have caused you. But Lionel was having none of it. He must have been under the influence of the devil because he broke all of the rules of chivalry, not even waiting for Bors to mount his horse or even stand up. Lionel charged. He struck the kneeling man with his lance. Bors was thrown backwards, severely injured. Lionel turned and rode towards his stricken brother, showing none of the honor for which he was generally known. Lionel trampled poor Bors under his horse's hooves. Bors fainted. Lionel dismounted and drew his sword intent on beheading him. As Lionel wrenched off his brother's helm, an old hermit ran out of the hermitage. He threw himself on the injured man and begged Lionel to stop. Get off, shrieked the possessed brother, or I'll kill you too. The hermit covered Bors with his body and waited to die. Lionel swung and struck the old man on the back of his head, shattering his skull. The dead hermit rolled off Sir Bors and Lionel raised his sword again, He was about to bring it down when Sir Calogranant, a knight of the round table, rode by. He saw what was going on and shouted out, distracting Lionel from delivering the mortal blow. Calogrenant leapt from his horse and grabbed Lionel by the shoulders, pulling him away. What the hell are you doing? Are you out of your mind? Lionel, clearly out of his mind, replied. Are you trying to stop me? If so, I'll leave him for now and kill you first. Lionel turned on Calogranant. They fought hard and uncompromisingly until Lionel began to get the upper hand. Calogrenant pleaded with Sir Bors, now recovered from his feint, to help him. Another impossible decision. Should he fight on the side of the man who was trying to save him, or should he not fight at all? He had no time to decide before it was too late. Lionel struck his fellow knight with such force that he fell dead to the ground. Then he turned his attention back to Bors. Gracious Lord, whispered Bors, please do not see it as a sin if I defend myself against my brother. Prayer said, he raised his sword. At that moment a thunderbolt erupted from the sky and hit the ground between the brothers. Both were dazed. As Bors regained his senses he heard a voice. Bors, arise and leave this place. Make your way towards the sea, for Percival awaits you there. Bors strode over to Lionel. "'who seemed no longer to be possessed. "'Brother, you have done a great wrong "'killing that hermit and this poor knight. "'Remain here and bury them, "'and give them the honour that they are due. "'Will you wait here with me?' Bors shook his head and told Lionel "'that he had been commanded to go to the sea to meet Percival. "'Not wanting to wait any longer, "'he rode away, leaving Lionel in sad contemplation "'of what he had done. "'Sir Bors rode to the sea.' where he came upon a ship dressed in white Samite. He dismounted and went on board, praying as he did so. As soon as he was on board, the ship sailed silently away. The night was so dark he could see nothing of where it was headed. Bors, feeling at peace, settled down to sleep. In the morning, Sir Bors woke up and found Sir Percival of Wales standing over him. The two friends embraced and told each other of their adventures so far. They agreed that the quest was now gaining momentum. Success was on the horizon. All they needed now was the presence of the Chosen One. It was time to find Sir Galahad. Next time, we'll find out what's been going on for Sir Galahad, and we'll see what happens when the three friends finally meet up. It's always great to receive feedback from those people that are enjoying the podcast. There are a number of ways in which you can contact me. Contact me by email... Myth and History at gmail.com, or friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. You can follow me on Twitter, at Myth and History, or you can go to the website www.mythandhistory2.podbean.com. On the website, you'll find a donate button. The podcast is and will remain entirely free, but any donations are of course gratefully received. So, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you again next time.